From CPR News, this is Colorado Matters. On this Martin Luther King holiday, a special encore of music that grew out of tremendous pain but led to hope, my guests are the Spirituals Project Choir. Forty members of the Denver Choir join us in the performance studio to sing songs born during slavery and ones written more recently. This is Sorida, a song of greeting in Zimbabwe, our way to welcome you into this hour. Greetings, my brother. Greetings, my sister. A special encore of the Spirituals Project Choir and how this connects to modern-day movements. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News. I'm Ryan Warner. And today we have a very special show for you of voices that will lift you up. An hour of spirituals, those songs created and sung by Africans enslaved in America in the 18th and 19th centuries. I open my mouth to the Lord and I won't turn back. I will go, I shall go to see what the end's going to be. This is I Opened My Mouth to the Lord. And I won't turn back. I will go, I shall go, to see what the end's going to be. These songs were often a way for slaves to communicate secretly, and they were later revived in the 1960s as cries for justice during the civil rights movement. For 20 years now, a group in Denver has made it its mission to preserve them. The Spirituals Project Choir is based at DU's Lamont School of Music. And recently, 40 members of the choir came to the CPR Performance Studio. This hour, a mix of music and storytelling. Open My Mouth to the Lord, sung by Denver's Spirituals Project Choir. It's actually a good example of how much of this music wasn't originally written down, but passed down by people teaching the songs to one another. I asked Roger Holland, who directs the choir, about that. Slaves may have learned a song at one plantation, but if they wound up in another plantation, they would take these songs that they learned with them. But Since this is an oral tradition and not something that's written down, there's a lot of uh, variation that can occur, an extemporaneous addition of lyrics and notes and so forth. And so I first heard this song as done made my vow to the Lord. 
then found another version that said, done paid my vow to the Lord. The oral tradition is a very important part of this history and the culture. And so that was how the stories and the songs and the music, the history of the people was able to be sustained and uh, carried on from generation to generation by continuing to sing the songs and tell the stories. These are folks who often were illiterate and who were not afforded an education. Correct. And that was primarily because they weren't allowed to. It was illegal for slaves to uh, read and write. It doesn't mean that some of them didn't, but they couldn't do that openly. To this song, I open my mouth to the Lord, there are not complicated lyrics. I open my mouth to the Lord and I won't turn back. I will go, I shall go to see what the end's going to be. How do you define a spiritual? The spirituals are the product of three converging factors, and that would be uh, African culture or African idioms, Uh, Christianity and the crucible of slavery. Without any of those three, I really don't believe the spirituals would have come into being. Mm. And so before that title, that that nomenclature was used, spirituals, they were called sorrow songs and um, probably had a lot to do with the fact that the the songs were conveying the, the sorrow that the slaves had and were experiencing in their lives, the pain, the suffering, the tribulation. I think nobody knows the trouble I've seen, for instance. Right, exactly. But the spirituals are uh, what some scholars have called the heart music. And this music that came from the heart and the experience of those enslaved Africans, that is what the spirituals are. The Spirituals Project was founded in 1998 by DU Professor Arthur Jones. You know, when we first started, I had no idea um, how long it would go. I just knew that the mission was important. It was really a passionate kind of endeavor, and I just wanted to get started. And we didn't actually start with the idea of a choir. So when the choir was formed, it was an exciting thing, and we were in the moment, and I wanted it to go as long as it, it could. What was most important to me was the mission of preserving and revitalizing this tradition. And the choir was just one of the ways that we could do that. But the longer we went, the longer it really became really obvious that the choir was the centerpiece in terms of being ambassadors for the mission. So at that point, I was hoping it would last forever. So spirituals, as I mentioned, were first sung by Africans enslaved in America. And how did they make their way to concert halls? Well, you know, there was one sort of accident of history or something that no one probably could have predicted, which was right at the end of slavery, there was a school in Nashville, Tennessee that was at that point called the Fisk School, later became Fisk University. And it was a a school that was started by the American Missionary Association to educate newly freed slaves, most of whom wanted to be teachers, but there are other you know, vocations as well. And the school quickly ran into financial trouble, and they had a treasurer named George White, who also happened to be a musician. And he was hearing some of the students sing some of these old, what they called cabin songs in the hallway. And so he had this idea that maybe he could form a student choir and take them on a tour and raise money to keep the school alive. And Eventually, that group turned into the Fisk Jubilee Singers. I don't think he knew how successful it would be, but they ended up touring around the United States. Initially, they they were kind of reticent to sing spirituals because the 
the students, first of all, didn't really want to sing these old songs that were part of their past, and they also their very dark past. Yeah, and they also thought yeah. that um, people wouldn't really accept what they were doing and respect what they were doing. But they eventually started incorporating spirituals into their repertoire, and it set a mold for what would become the concert choral tradition. And they, they raised on, like yeah. what? Give us give us some titles that they might have Swing sung. Low, Sweet Chariot, mm-hmm. um, Wait in the Water. There's actually have a songbook of the songs that they sang in my office. It's fun to go through sometime. Um, oh, wow. Many of these songs yeah. had messages, hidden messages, yeah. codes. Sure, yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, they did. Um, one of the things that was left over from Africa was that music could have lots of different functions, was multifunctional music. And certainly one of the most important functions that enslaved Africans wanted this music to serve is to help them with their quest for freedom. Like Swing Low Sweet Chariot, for example, the chariot was understood as a symbol for the Underground Railroad. So when a song was being sung, people knew that it was time to prepare time to get ready for that. So there are lots of different songs that had these coded messages in them. Swing sweet chariot Coming for to carry me home These songs have come to mean a lot to Americans of all races. Choir member Regina Flores Dunda lives in Centennial, has taught music for much of her career, and the spirituals are a part of her curriculum. As an art form, they're fundamentally American. It really is the first true American art form that we encounter in our history. And throughout our history as Americans, we have struggled and we have overcame. And we hear these themes that have come out of the spirituals time and time again. You know, as a Latina, we can look at the farm workers movement, the Chicano movement, and hear the same, we shall overcome. Si se puede. Si. <laughs> we shall overcome one day. Spirituals Project Choir member Regina Flores Dunda. And this is Mahalia Jackson singing. More with the choir, including how one song inspires a Hurricane Katrina survivor who came to Colorado. When we return, this is Colorado Matters from CPR News. CPR News will carry special coverage of the Senate impeachment trial beginning tomorrow. Access to this important, developing story is an essential part of our commitment to keep you informed. For those listeners who want to follow our regular daily programming during special coverage, CPR will offer our regular schedule on HD Radio at 90.1 FM Channel 2 in Denver and online at CPR.org. We're spending the hour with the Spirituals Project Choir based in Denver. For 20 years, the Spirituals Project has worked to preserve and celebrate spirituals, songs created and sung by enslaved Africans in the 18th and 19th centuries. The choir also performs music composed in the style of a spiritual, like Hear My Prayer by composer and arranger Moses Hogan. The piece is particularly meaningful for one choir member. My name is Mercedes Torragano. I live in Denver, and I've been with the choir for five years now. 
Tell me about this song, Hear My Prayer. Hear My Prayer speaks to me because I am of the belief that no matter where I am, God hears my prayer. I'm not originally from Denver. I came here 12 years ago, 13 years ago, with the hurricane, Hurricane Katrina. So therefore, God heard my prayers from New Orleans to Denver. I always say from below sea level to mile high. And if God hears my prayer below sea level and above mile high, it means he hears all of our prayers. So we need to stop worrying. We need to just come together and know that he's there for us. This song, every time we came into the choir room and every time more emphasis was put on the pronunciation and the feelings of the word, because, see, in the spirituals, if you don't feel it, you really can't hear it. you got to feel it in here. So that's what hear my prayer means to me. When you say feel it here, you point it to your heart? Feel it in my heart, feel it in my soul, and never beat that's in me because that's what the spirituals is. It's a rhythm thing. When the slaves sang the spirituals, they, they just couldn't sing, hear my prayer. They had to feel, hear my prayer, get me out of this misery.
Hear My Prayer from the Spirituals Project Choir. And uh, Mercedes Torregano, I want to ask you just a little bit more about what brought you to Colorado. Uh, tell me what you endured during Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. Since New Orleans was my home since birth, and I've lived through many hurricanes where you pack for three days and know you're coming back, but then to find out that what you were coming back to is totally gone. I didn't have to get on a bus. Uh, no one had to pick me off a roof because I was old enough to know, get out. And I know some people couldn't, but I did. Did you live in the Ninth Ward? I lived in the Eighth Ward just before the Ninth Ward. All of it flooded. Where I live was next to the canal that flooded. What did that mean for your home? Was this a home you owned, a home you rented? My home, I was renting at the time, and uh, I did lose everything. I had 10.5 feet of water. So when I got the pictures of my home, everything was floating. So I lost everything. What do you mean when you got the pictures of your home? I did not go back into the water and the flooding like most people did. Persons who lived there, my son who went back, sent me pictures of my home to show me that everything was flooded. Did you pray at that moment? Oh, no, I prayed before that moment, through that moment, until today. I continue to pray because I have family still in New Orleans. I have friends there who are still trying to get above what happened in Katrina. So coming from a Catholic city, a good little Catholic girl I am, you don't ever stop praying. How is it in Colorado? It's a very different city. Gosh, the makeup of the city is so different. The makeup of the city is different. Getting used to the altitude is rough for me. And uh, the one thing I can say, meeting the people that I've met in Denver, and I came here because I had a good friend. I have good friends here. I kept saying, oh, I don't know if I could live in Denver to myself. But I can tell you, Denver is just as warm and loving as New Orleans. The gumbo is not quite as good. The gumbo is not quite as good, but then I bring my own gumbo. Something I hope to taste someday. That is Mercedes Torregano, who sings with the Spirituals Project Choir. And on this Martin Luther King holiday, we're devoting the show to this music and the stories behind it. The choir has performed and preserved this music for 20 years, and Alice Norman of Indian Hills has been with the group from the beginning. I'm going to ask an obvious question. It's probably one you've been asked before. It's delicate. Um, you're white, and you're an original member. Tell me about that. I've always loved music, and there's something about these songs that speak to people. Um, and part of what we discussed is this is shared history and this is history of this country and very intentionally we made the decision to build a choir that is diverse, multi-generational, multicultural and it has I think enriched all of us and you know there are people in this choir that I sing with that I that are not the same color as I am and I call them family. Norman says she's especially moved by the song Anyhow by Evelyn LaRue Pittman. She learned it years ago. But it wasn't until recently that it, the real meaning dawned on me. And to me, the real meaning is no matter what I have 
to do. And no matter what I have to go through, I am going to be in a better place. And I believe that is the meaning of the songs for the slaves, because they went through some horrendous things. But the meaning of this song is, anyhow, I'm always going to end up in heaven. Why is it that you only recently realized its meaning? What happened in your life? When you learn a piece of music, you're looking at the notes and you're looking at the words and you're trying to sing at the right time and rest at the right time. And it was one night in rehearsal, we were talking about the meaning of it and it just hit me. And it may have been what's going on in my life as probably what's going on in the world. And for me, it's I can get through this, I can get through whatever's going on in the world because this gives me hope. This song gives me hope. And I'm going to end up in a better place anyhow. The Spirituals Project Choir, singing Evelyn LaRue Pittman's Anyhow. Pittman is a fascinating story. She studied at Juilliard in New York. She also wrote an opera based on the life of Martin Luther King Jr. called Freedom Child. Not much of her music is performed these days, and choir director Roger Holland thinks that's sad. I often wonder what even happened to the opera that she wrote. And I would posit that the reason behind that is the patriarchy that we find in our society. She's one of a handful of women whose music has survived. When you listen to her arrangement, it's a very masterful arrangement. You know, her music deserves a a hearing. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News. I'm Ryan Warner. And hope is a recurring theme in spirituals, as choir member Jim Cosby of Denver told me. When we think back on slavery and people being oppressed, the songs just tear at our hearts 
and yet they're always filled with a sense of hope. And we sometimes wonder if we've come as far as we think we have, but when we realize that there's still hope and that we don't need to be totally crushed by the oppression, there's something to look forward to, I think that's powerful. Can you think of a time in your life where you have turned to a spiritual and thought, you know, it's not as bad as I think? I think of it more in terms of where I spend my days these days um, working at the downtown Denver jail. Cosby works with inmates who are mentally ill. The amount of oppression that we get to witness on a day-to-day basis there. What do you mean? Well, I think there's a lot of people that are in jail now, particularly folks that have uh, major mental illnesses, who probably are not well suited for that environment. And uh, I think the whole concept of spirituals is a notion of freedom. And so I think of it on a daily basis uh, as I look at those folks that are struggling to figure out how to get themselves free. Just some of what goes on in Cosby's head as he sings the song, When I Die, because he believes when you die, it's not the end of the road. I'm going back to the Father. When I die. I'm going back to the Father. When I die. I'm going back to the Father. When I die. Thank you for my journey back to 
Shout troubles over, feast of milk and honey, live in a mansion, thank him for my journey, back to the Father when I die. Then I'll just give God the glory, when I die. Yes, I'll just give God the glory, oh, when I die. Then I'll just give God the glory, when I die. I'll just give God the glory, rest from my labor, join the heavenly choir, shout troubles over, feast on milk and honey, live in a mansion. Thank him for my journey back to the Father when I die. I'm going back to the Father when I die. I'm going back to the Father when I die. I'm going back to the Father when I die. Going back to the Father when I When I Die, sung by the Spirituals Project Choir of Denver. I asked choir director Roger Holland about the first spiritual he ever learned. It was probably Go Down Moses in the children's choir at my church. Way Down to Egypt Land. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was a wonderful arrangement. My, my, uh, the choir director was also my first piano teacher, and she had these arrangements called partner songs. The first part of the song would be done as a solo, and her son, who also had a wonderful voice, uh, would sing the lead, and then the rest of the children's choir would come in at the end. It started off very slow and contemplative, and then it uh, would pick up into this wonderful up-tempo kind of um, beat. And But I think that was the first one that will, I learned. Will you sing a few bars? I did a pretty pathetic attempt there. And, uh, <laughs> gonna, oh, gonna... sure. Let's see. Uh, when Israel was in Egypt's land, let my people go. Oppressed so hard they could not stand, let my people go. It's so interesting, the connection that occurs between enslaved Africans who would have had a different faith back on the African continent, meeting Christianity and melding the two mm-hmm. upon their arrival. Because mm-hmm. that's, a, that's yeah. a very biblically grounded song, isn't it? Roger? Yes. I think a lot of the enslaved Africans very easily accepted Christianity because of some of the similarities that they found in their own religions. And Arthur Jones, uh, again, Spirituals Project founder, what was the first spiritual you remember hearing? For me, it was um, a spiritual that goes by lots of different names called I Got Shoes or Heaven, Heaven. And I learned it as a child in my church in the South Bronx. I was five years old, and um, our choir director told us that we had to sing it in dialect, and I didn't know what that meant. And she was very serious about it. I mean, as I think about it later, I mean, she was a woman who wanted us to know something about our culture, and we made fun of it. It wasn't until later on as an adult when I started becoming a scholar of the music and um, that this is like maybe one of the greatest protest songs that's ever been written. And several years ago, I, I wanted to go back to the Bronx and thank her for 
teaching me that song and teaching us that song. And then I found out that she had passed away. And I was sobbing when I found that out because I felt like I missed out on an opportunity to let her know that even though we might not have appreciated it at the time, that I sure did now. To sing, uh, as you say, in dialect Mm -hmm. is to sing as those uh, who came before you might have sung it Mm -hmm. using their vernacular, using Mm -hmm. their pronunciation. Can, Mm -hmm. Can I hear that a little bit? I got shoes, you got shoes, all God's children got shoes. When I get to heaven, gonna put on my shoes, gonna walk all over God's heaven. Heaven, heaven, everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. Heaven, heaven, gonna walk all over God's heaven. So instead of articulating heaven, it's heaven. Heaven. And what what does that convey? I think what Gloria was trying to tell us was that there's a lot of power that can come from capturing the memory of the people who originally sang the songs and that you can feel something of the history when you do that. And it's, but it's tricky because most of us, we're not really knowledgeable enough to really do it well. And, and it you could know, sound you like a caricature. The, yeah, yeah. Right? and it can, it can, can come across as a, as a caricature. But I remember her telling us that you should be proud. Now, you say um, it's a great protest song. Why is yes, it a great protest um, song? It has these lyrics, everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. Okay, and it's a veiled sort of comment on hypocrisy. It's a comment on the fact that you had all of these slaveholders who were going to church on Sunday morning and praising God and talking about Jesus um, and all of this other stuff, and then they would come back on Sunday afternoon and abuse men and women, you know, severely. And there was no connection between the faith that they claimed they had and their behavior. Mm. Um, you know, of course, it was dangerous to say that out loud. Um, so they, they clothed it in these sort of secret lyrics that the folks who were singing knew about, but the slaveholders didn't know what they were singing about. Would you say that the Spirituals Project Choir and the, the project in general, which is larger than the choir itself, it's about preserving these songs, it's about teaching people their meaning, would you say that you're activists... We felt very strongly that the whole African-American tradition of marrying song with protest and marrying song with activism is encapsulated. It started with the spirituals because the act of escaping from slavery or organizing a rebellion and using songs to communicate about that and to strengthen people and to motivate them to be involved, that goes way back to the beginning of the the spirituals. And so we really feel pretty strongly that activism is a component of what we do. One of our early advisors, who was a mentor of mine named Vincent Harding. Oh, yes, who um, wrote speeches for Dr. King. He, he did. And um, he was a close friend and a very close advisor to the spirituals project and very knowledgeable about the spirituals, would often say that he was a citizen of a country that does not yet exist. And that... What he wanted was to think about what that would be, what a true democracy would be. And he understood that our whole tradition, African-American tradition of singing, was one of the ways that people support each other in working for that kind of democracy. So we're, we're, on, you know, we're on a case to try to educate people about that. 
Roger Holland says lately he sees connections between spirituals and the Me Too movement because female composers and arrangers have gotten a, quote, bum deal, just not getting as much recognition as their male counterparts. I think about the need to honor the contributions of women to society. And so to, to do the music by women arrangers and composers, I think, is another way to lift up women and their value and their contributions to our society. Again, like Evelyn LaRue Pittman, who wrote that song, Anyhow. All of these movements are interconnected. Really, we have this country that was founded um, by rich white male landholders. And their conception of the country was that they were the ones that that's, that's who the country was for. Nobody else could vote. Nobody else could, you know, have a, you know, a say. And every one of these modern movements, whether it's the Black Lives Matter movement or the Me Too movement or the gay rights movement or any of these, they're all about folks who are Americans saying that they have a place in this democracy. That that, that expansion. Right. And so to me, it honors all of those. Um, and I see them as interconnected. And I'm really um, wishing for a time when we can see that we have a lot of motivation to work together because essentially it's all the same movement. It's all about saying this really truly is a place that everybody's supposed to belong to. Arthur Jones, founder of the Spirituals Project Choir. Forty of its members packed into our performance studio, and one song they performed is less of a spiritual and more of a gospel song with a blues quality. Roger Holland says all those genres are connected. Much of Black, if not all Black music, is an offshoot and has been impacted to some degree by the spirituals. And much of uh, American music in general has been impacted by the spirituals. And so I sometimes refer to the spirituals as the mother who gave birth to many children, one of those being the blues, but also gospel. Um, Early gospel came into being, at least by, by that name, through the efforts of Thomas A. Dorsey, who uh, was a blues musician, played in uh, barrel houses and clubs. So that was the language that he knew. So when he started playing religious music, it certainly took on the uh, characteristic of the music he was playing outside of the church. Interesting. So I am getting um, sounds in my head of uh, Mahalia Jackson and and maybe Sister Rosetta Tharp. Yes. uh, Who I think cross those boundaries. This train is bound for glory, everybody ride her must be holy because this train is a clean train, you know this train. Yes, and wasn't always uh, received in a, in a positive manner, mm-hmm. I, uh, ironically by the church. She got a lot of criticism, Rosetta Tharp, uh, by uh, singing religious songs in the clubs. But I mean, if, if we take that Great Commission that Jesus gave in the gospel, seriously, isn't that the place where this music should be heard? (laughs) (laughs) Where the people are drinking. So the song the choir performed that brings together all these genres is He Never Failed Me Yet. And for choir member Russell Costin of Denver, it's a kind of spiritual anthem. Costin's been with the choir for 18 years and says he's been living by his wits for a very long time. There hasn't been a month in my life that I haven't thought, so what's going to happen tomorrow? 
Am I going to step out into space? Am I going to fall? And so far, it hasn't happened. And when I saw those lyrics, they said, that's my song. Oh! 
The Spirituals Project Choir with He Never Failed Me Yet, recorded in the CPR Performance Studio in 2018. In May, The Spirituals Project holds a national conference at the University of Denver to explore the spirituals and their, quote, multi-layered cultural legacy through the lens of healing. Thanks to Stephanie Wolf, who produced this show, and audio engineers Matt Hers and Michael Hughes. I'm Ryan Warner. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News. Yeah, yeah, yeah.